Please join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. Stories of faith that connect us. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut or Colorado, the United States or Europe or anywhere in the world. Good morning. It's good to share this time with these confirmands. Reading from the book of Exodus. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam. And Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them, whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. In the evening... The quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each of you needs, and omar to a person according to the number of persons, while providing for those in their own tents. The Israelites did so, some gathering more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, those who gathered much had nothing over, and those who gathered little had no shortage. They gathered as much as each of them needed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for the word. In 1951, a radio journalist, Edward Miro, started a broadcast, and he called it simply, This I Believe. It aired for quite a while on the radio, and some of you may have heard it on NPR. It ran for four years, and there's now several books of that title and a podcast as well. And all it does is it asks people to write their manifesto. What is it that they believe in? I want to read to you this morning the part of the transcript from the broadcast when Miro first introduced it. This I believe. By that name we, are present, we present the personal philosophies of thoughtful men and women in all walks of life. In this brief space, a banker or a butcher, a painter or a social worker, people of all kinds, who have nothing more in common than integrity, a real honesty, will write about the rules they live by, 
the things they found to be the basic values in their lives. We hardly need to be reminded, he said, that we are living in an age of confusion, an age in which a lot of us have traded our beliefs for bitterness and cynicism or for a heavy package of despair or even a quivering portion of hysteria. Opinions can be picked up cheap in the marketplace, while such commodities as courage and fortitude and faith are in alarmingly short supply. What truths can a human afford to furnish the cluttered, nervous room of his mind with when he has no real idea how long of a lease he has on the future. One of the time-honored traditions of confirmation classes is to write a statement of faith. In the United Church of Christ, our denominational approach to these creeds, which just means teachings, is that they are testimonies, not tests. That means that we don't, when we read all of the historical creeds that we read, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Creed of the UCC, we regard them as witnesses to how people have understood God in their time and in their place. And we see the beauty in that. We recognize them as attempts to furnish the cluttered room of our minds, as Edward Miro described it. They aren't, however, something that we have to believe in in order to belong here. And that brings us to the challenge of writing statements of faith in confirmation class. In the past, I've sometimes done that by talking about the creeds first. And so we would do a unit on the creeds, and then the confirmands would get the opportunity to write their own. And here's what we know about leadership and learning. How you shape the question will affect the answer that you get. And so no matter how hard I had tried to elicit personal statements of faith, what I often ended up with was a version of a statement that looked a lot like whatever the last creed was that we studied. And this was true, even after long conversations about which parts we agreed with and which parts we didn't. It seems ingrained in us sometimes that belief is a litmus test for belonging. And so while you might disagree privately, or even in a small group conversation with your fellow learners, when it's time to put something on paper, it had better look like everybody else's. And that's great if what I was testing was reading comprehension, but it's not doing a lot for helping people discover the deep truths that they are willing to commit their lives to. When the Hebrew people left Egypt, you can be certain that they believed. They believed in God, and if they had been asked right then to contribute to a radio segment of This I Believe, I would guess it would say something like, I believe that God has the power to work miracles, to set people free, and that God will lead us into new life. But a month and a half in the wilderness will test your faith. By then, the miracle of liberation was starting to look pretty far back. 
And the only certainty of the future was a slow death by starvation. You heard it in the scripture reading. The people complained, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt, when we sat by our flesh pots and at least ate our fill of bread, because Moses, you brought us out into the wilderness to kill us all with hunger. It's easier to go back to what we know sometimes, even if it was certain death, rather than to step forward in an uncertain future. We might weigh the risks and the rewards by asking this question. When is the possibility worth the risk? And possibility is a powerful drug. It entices us with promises of how things could be, and if only. And in my statement of faith, I would include, I believe that God speaks to us through imagining. God invites us into God's dream. But I would also include that that dream is not free of risk. And maybe even joining in God's dream doesn't guarantee that we will see the benefits. I grew up with the adage, as many of you probably did, that anything worth doing is worth doing well. And it's true, to the extent that it inspires you to do your best. But I would say that it is also true that anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Meaning, if we are really living out our beliefs, we will sometimes face failure. Maybe some more than sometimes. And so success in matters of principle and commitment and faith can't be measured in terms of fame or dollars or even reach. At least not in the short run. The question of the wilderness, the question of principled faith is what is worth doing even if we fail? For Moses, it was the liberation of his people from slavery. For some of those on the journey, it was the hope of safety or for a better future for them or their children or their grandchildren. Later in the Bible passage, we discover that the people traveled in the wilderness for 40 years. And as Kathy pointed out to our confirmation class, this is notable because that's an entire generation's worth of people. Children who lived and died in the wilderness. Adults crossed the Red Sea and lived through those famine years of collecting manna from the ground, always having just enough, never reaped the rewards of all that uncertainty. They never saw the answer to all the desperate prayers and all the heartbreaking work of survival. But for generations, they pressed on. And they did it, I think, because they knew the answer to the question, what do you believe in? In a little bit in the service, we will share in the statement of faith that came out of our confirmation class. But for now, we're leaving space. For you, you have doodling space in your bulletin, and it is labeled, This I Believe. And so as we have some time for a musical meditation, I invite you to jot down your thoughts, your principles, the things that are worth failing for, for you. And as you ponder that, I will tell you, it is not easy. And I said to the kids in confirmation class, even the adults would struggle with this. So I invite you to that struggle this morning. Friends in Christ, this I believe. 
that the spirit that binds us together gathers us and scatters us. And in our scattering this day, may your life be a testament of your deepest held belief that each and all are created in the image of God and worthy to be loved. And now as you go, wherever you go, may the light of God surround you, the love of God enfold you, the power of God protect you, and the presence of God watch over you. Go in peace.